This is Adam Francis, and you're listening to the Equipped Indoor Podcast on the E2E Radio Network. Stand by for a great show. Hey guys, welcome back to the Equipped Indoor Podcast with your host Adam Francis, Robert Oliver, and Dan Eastland, episode 406 on February 24th, 2015. I had that little date part in there, Robbie. I hope you like that. I did. I, I, was, I was practicing that practicing that in the mirror this morning uh, we haven't brushing even, my teeth. I haven't even done the show, and it made the show for me. <laughs> and of course, the Equipped See, Indoor now, Podcast it... is brought to you by Dogwood Custom Knives. Check out dogwoodcustomknives.com. Dealers at USA Made Blades, Edgeworks Online, and Arizona Custom Knife. And Dan, that new corn cob handle with the, the black bolster that's on your Facebook page right now is pretty sexy. That is, I hate to toot my own horn, but it is that is that damn it, sexy knife. If you guys aren't a fan of of uh, Dogwood Custom Knives on Facebook, do yourself a favor. Go ahead and click over to the to the Facebook. If you got the Facebook, click over to the Facebook, type in Dogwood Custom Knives, and go ahead and like that, so you can follow Dan. And you know what? I gotta say, I, and I'm and I'm not talking crap, Dan. I'm not talking tr- crap, but your photographs of your knives has gotten a heck of a lot better too. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, that's a that's a really good that's a really good photograph, man. Thank you. I uh, I went down to the library. I got a book, and then I rem- remembered I didn't know how to read, so I called my buddy that's a photographer, <laughs> <laughs> and I, uh, I got a lot of pointers. Well, yeah, Dan, it looks, I, looks great. I'm a, I'm gonna call you out on something, buddy. Yeah. I'm looking at that picture and that knife right now. And I've known you now long enough and well enough to know you didn't know that was going to turn out that good, did you? Before you started, I <laughs> nah, no way see, I believe. See, like, like, like here, like, go down to the third picture of the the white the white handle knives in the snow. Yeah, and the picture is perfect instead of the top right corner where you have the dumpster <laughs> in the frame. Like, if you just crap off about you know about a a. a a fifth of that photograph on the right, per, another perfect picture. All right, so, so uh, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get you squared away one of these days, Dan. You know, I just got to figure out how the crop thing works. <laughs> yeah. Well, first you plant. Oh, we're we're screwed. We're screwed, Robbie. It's <laughs> over. It's over. <laughs> I still can't get over that uh, Starry Night uh, yeah, uh, that, handle. Yeah, I am absolutely blown away with that. And you, you need to you need to put that in some contest for. Uh, uh, blade show this year. I got to check and see what the rules are going to be this year. Um, mm-hmm. Last year it was, uh, I think it was for production knives only. Yeah. So hopefully this year, yeah, because I, and what's amazing is that one, it kind of like Twilight at Soft Light, mm-hmm. where you can see the colors, but the glow in the dark starts to glow. Mm-hmm. That is, I had a, a piece in the shop last night as I was closing up, it was starting to get dark. Yeah, and it was the coolest thing I've seen in a while. Well, I haven't been over your house in a while, so I understand. Yeah, I, shop's not at the house anymore. <laughs> That's true. I haven't been up there yet. No, I gotta, I gotta make a trip, man. I, you know what? One of these days, I'll have a, a DeLorean with a flux capacitor, yeah. or I can clone myself, um, because I just there's not enough there's not enough hours in the day. Robbie and I so. were talking the other day that we just needed to get a, a surplus SR-71 mm-hmm. because Robbie could make it from his house to my house in, I think it was 23 minutes. Okay. So I, we can I think make that... it, We can make it 32 minutes and I can stop by your place and pick you up, Adam. <laughs> I'm down. I just don't like those flight suits. Yeah. 
They chief. I'm a tall man. Uh, they make your ass look big too. Yeah. Well, you know. I mean, well, I didn't want to tell. Turn them out to dinner. <laughs> <laughs> I have been hitting the squat rack here recently. So, all right. Uh, the Eco to Nor podcast is also brought to you by Live Fire Gear. Check out Live Fire Gear LLC or LiveFireGear.com for all your emergency fire starting needs. And for don't forget, guys. 550 Fire Corps should be back in stock for all of our dealers and distributors. So if you're looking to pick some up, uh, go ahead and grab it. There's some uh, even on Amazon. So uh, check out Amazon.com. You can pick it up there. Yes, actually, I... know, I, I'm going to put a link in for, for the Amazon stuff because, um, you know, why not? Guess what I saw in the sportsman's gu- the new Sportsman's Guide catalog. Oh, yeah. You like that, right? I did. I mean... We're going yeah, to be everywhere. I know how much that stuff retails for. I feel a little guilty about all the stuff I've stolen from you. <laughs> oh, wait, no. I'm, go- I'm finished being guilty now. Yeah, it happens. It happens. So, what is this? No, no, something's going on. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that's not, I'm not going to put the link up right now. Amazon is acting strange. Anyway, right. guys, <laughs> um, I'm sorry, Dan. What, what were you saying? Oh, I was just uh, at some point... I need to get some help with a school project for my youngest son. Okay. What is that What is that uh, project? He is doing a project on social media. Okay. And the way he is quantifying his results are he got me on a, uh, uh, a top 10 knives, uh, knife company's website. Okay. And I, uh, I was going to see if we could get our listeners to go, um, go to the website and vote. Okay. Uh, preferably for dogwood, but it doesn't have to be. But um, he is tracking uh, various parts of social media when when it's publicly posted and then comparing that to changes at this website. Okay. Well, I think you should post it on the Quiptonor, uh Facebook, and maybe we'll post it up on the website as well. That I would really appreciate it. How about I blast it out to 100,000 people? You know, that would probably make me one of the cooler dads around. <laughs> well, now that's a competition to make you look cool in the eyes of your son. You know, I'll bend over backwards. Which it I, was, if it was just to make you look cool in general, you know, you could go pound sand. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, same thing goes for you, man. <laughs> well, I, really, kind of, I have a question of why it's called social media. media. From everything I've seen online, why isn't it called antisocial media? <laughs> It is it, it that just ties the tongue, Robbie. Truth in advertising. Yeah, there you go. And it was—he's uh, been kind of funny because he won't tell me what his projections are. Uh huh. And I posted it up on Facebook uh, for the Dogwood site, and we went from fifty-second to top ten. And I thought the experiment was done. I I was all excited, and uh, he just said, "No, Dad, I I think you can do better than that." That's right. So, uh, I believe in you too, Dan. I appreciate that. I'm just uh, I'm looking forward now to the point where he can go. See, I told you, <laughs> uh, Robbie. Before we before we get too much into the wilderness, outdoor adventuring, and all other good stuff, I do have a request for you here soon. Oh shit! So in May, I, I'm gonna go ahead and need you to come up and uh, put it put it in your calendar to be up here um, the the weekend of of May first. Okay. Uh, I will be, uh, or actually, uh, correction, the 30th of uh, April. I will be off that evening, uh, but we will be going to see Avengers 2. <laughs> what day does that come out on? What, what? 
What day of the week is that? It's a Thursday at midnight. Is that, are you off the next day? No. Well, then you know I can't. I've got to be back with my kid. Well, you, you just had to pick him out of, up out of school, man. Like, we'll, we'll, we'll work about We're working out. Maybe I'll come down to North Carolina because I'm, I'm getting a little excited, a little nerd excitement for Avengers 2, man. It looks badass. I, I'm, you know what? I, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm almost scared for where these movies are going now. Why is that? Because uh, it popularity is a double-edged sword. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to see a trend that the more popular our beloved superhero movies become, mm -hmm. the less they stay true to what they're supposed to be and the more they start trying to appeal to the mass masses that have never been fans of the comic book characters to start are, with. Are you, Robbie, are you being a nerd elitist? I, I'm I not being nerd elitist. I'm, <laughs> I'm not able to be nerd elitist because i haven't followed everything like as closely as you have yeah I, you but, know it's been it's been years since i've been into it like you know i mean like when i was in college I used to i used to buy the comic books all the time i mean it was it, it was one of those things i mean uh you know i think dan and i had this this uh uh conversation you oh know, wait we, i'm we, on this podcast too yeah I might, you are. I might actually want to go see a movie with you well, I was going to send the invitation for you too, Dan, but you're, you're a lot closer. It's, it's easier for you to get down here. I, I, I just I hadn't heard my invitation yet. Well, I wasn't finished inviting Robbie yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and don't worry, maybe I'll have some of your some, some of your stuff painted by the time you come down here as well. <laughs> hey, you know what? And of course, Robbie's, Robbie's not going to come down for that. Anyway. I'll probably um, have your corncob knife ready by then. Oh, that'll work. That'll work. Um <laughs> I'll get into that later, Robbie. <laughs> anyway, um, you know that movie's gonna be two hours and forty minutes, though. I, I was not aware. That's crazy, dude. That's a long. That's a long movie. So that's... we'll see. Oh, that might not. Hey, if you can turn The Hobbit into nine hours of cinematography mediocrity, then, yeah, then you can make a two and a half hour adventure. You know, I, I haven't seen. I haven't seen the the, the new Hobbit yet. Um, I I couldn't bring myself to do it. Yeah, you know what? It's just it's too much. It's just too much. But, you know, guys out there don't want to hear about the Avengers or Hobbit. I just want to bring it up in general conversation. Because, you know, Ro Robbie and I, it's funny. We're either talking about outdoor stuff or what the, the newest superhero cartoon that came out was, as silly as we are. Well, you, you know, you got to get your nerd bona fides every now and then. You know what, man? I, you know, I just, I, you know, it's, it's our modern day mythology. What hey, can I say? You know, I'm, not the... I'm not ashamed of it. It's I, every time I, t I take a video in my office, I always get a comment from uh, people out there. Where's your Optimus Prime in the background? So I know the, I know the loves out there and the you know, the, the cross pollinization of interests, you know. So, um, all right, we're moving on then. But we'll make it happen. We'll make it happen. We'll do something. Maybe, maybe he's got to kidnap Devin out of school and, and take him out of state lines, Robbie. I'm yeah, way to go ahead and just say that <laughs> in a public forum. He's he's quietly raging right now. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. So, uh, should we should we do this traditional Robbie and do videos first, or what do you think? Up to you. If you, yeah, I'm good with that. Because we had such a great uh, conversation with with uh, Todd Musman on the last episode, and guys, we I do apologize for us missing last week. I was uh, pretty ill. And um, actually, you probably still hear hear it in my voice. I'm, I'm not quite 100 110% like normal, uh, but yeah, I, I was uh, I worked the last three days with a fever as well. They'll probably be mad at me at work when people start to get sick. 
And for um, our southern listeners, Adam means ill as in sick, not as ill as in mad. That's right. That's right. Although he tends to be that a lot lately, too. Well, I did rage a little bit last episode. I do apologize. They, they run together sometimes. <laughs> I think that's when it started. Uh, so, guys, we have a gang of videos that's come out recently. Um, just want to do a quick update for those you guys who haven't had a chance to jump on the website or check us out on YouTube. And I got a couple more that are that are in the the um, in the uh, the editing section right now. Um, one actually, I, I I did Robbie is I, I did a a uh, review of my uh, Craftwork Canine. I thought that was appropriate. And uh, looking at, I've had Ace now for six years, and I still get tons of questions about from people who want to uh, think about getting a working dog. So I talk about kind of the responsibilities and, and, and what's and how that affects your life when you go to get a working dog and uh, you know some there's some footage in there from older videos that we've done um, talking about training and everything else and you know I've really been happy with with ace I will say that you uh, you do pay a, a premium price for for a dog like that and, and the, the price has only gone up I think uh, Wayne over at Craftwork canine uh, I think his prices are doubled maybe even more than doubled since I bought Ace, um, but he he's awesome. He's over here laying, laying next to me right now. Just such a good boy. And Robbie, this is a little premature for the pup until we haven't got to the puppy corner. But you know, uh, Ivy just finished her second heat, and dude, she's like a changed dog, man. It's like overnight. She's just so mellow. Um, I I just can't I can't even explain it. And Pam was like looking at her the other day. She's like, you know, you're you're lucky. You you almost got you know thrown off of a balcony. Uh, you know. A couple of weeks ago, <laughs> well, I think what you're, I think what you're seeing there, Adam, is you know we've talked about this you and I before, is the difference in an animal hitting uh, uh, sexual maturity and physical maturity. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and psychological maturity. You know that the, there's actually three different things there, and just because they've hit one doesn't mean they've hit all three. Yeah, absolutely. So she's doing, she is doing wonderful right now. Um, I can't, I cannot complain. She's just mellowed out, and she's really good with the kids. Um, so she's really interested in playing with them as well. Or Ace, you know, he's a little older now. He's not, you know, he. It's not that he doesn't like the kids. He'll walk over there and you know get petted, but petted. But when they want to run around like he used to, you know, chase them and play with them, and everything. He's like, yeah, I'm just gonna go here and lay down. If you don't have a ball or something for me to, to bite and pull on, I'm just go ahead and lay down. So it's, it's fun. He's getting little. He's getting little uh, silver in his muzzle, man. He's, you know, he's middle aged now. So. Um, anyway, so we'll have that coming out. But, uh, so a couple quick videos on the, the website. I've had a lot of questions about my challenge coins. Um, some people have seen them in some videos and I, and I had a, a buddy over the other day asking about them. So I did a quick video on the E2E website, uh, just kind of going over my challenge coins. I know a lot of guys out there have some challenge coins that they've got. Um, so it was kind of a, a form for people to, to share their stuff. A lot of guys asked about making an E2E challenge coin, which would be cool. And I, and it's funny, man. I, I kind of have a... I kind of have a, uh, what did you call it, Robbie? I was kind of a challenge coin snob, or what, you said something. I have an issue with it, because we we've been asked that a question before. But traditionally, you know, you know, if you if you get a challenge coin, it's usually for a kind of a job well done, data boy type thing. Um, and so there's all I always kind of viewed them as something that you kind of earn. Yeah, if I, we I, ever do challenge coins at E2E, they ain't gonna be for sale. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, um, I mean. In the army, it was especially the junior enlisted. Very rarely get medals. You know, yeah, the, it, a lot of politics. Might, it just doesn't happen. Yeah, but um, especially senior individuals could give a soldier a challenge coin when they've done something really great. Yeah, and part yeah. of the tradition is when you're in a, a 
you know, when you're at a formal arrangement or even in a bar, you can set a challenge coin down, especially against an officer, and they've got to have a coin of equal or higher rank, or they have to buy you a beer. Oh man, I would get nothing but beer. So there's only, only, I got, I got one. There's only one beating it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is, so this, this private did a great job, but he, I could put in all the paperwork in the world, but privates aren't going to get a medal. So here's a challenge coin. Mm -hmm. So apart from the attaboy, now if there's an officer that guys don't like, I have seen people line up, you know, 15 deep with challenge coins Mm -hmm. and just coin this guy all night. So he's just got to sit there and buy drinks for people. (laughs) <laughs> that'll work that'll work so yeah we shared that on the in the podcast um another video that we had was the mre and other camp food what do you use uh we had a uh, e2e team member send us some mres and stuff from korea it was pretty cool so robbie i'm saving that that meal for you and i and dan because uh, you know <laughs> it's probably it's probably not good enough for dan you know dan's got to bring you know the smoked bacon and you know the the high end cheese and anything. You know he doesn't he doesn't eat anything that comes out of a box or package. So, but I'm thinking you're one to talk. <laughs> yeah, you're one to talk. Dude, I used to use a, a a tin can to cook out in the field until you told me I couldn't use it anymore. So don't even give me that crap. Um, so uh, so we're gonna we're gonna eat some of that stuff when you come up and and do a, a sampling of that because that that stuff looks pretty good, man. And, and Robbie, I know that you're a top ramen connoisseur, so you, you can you really know which which is a good vintage and everything like that for, right. for noodles. <laughs> Robbie, what's Dan? Is is Robbie grumpy this morning? Did I, did I transfer the grumpiness to him? No, I, I think there's a difference between appreciation and forced poverty. <laughs> there's a, a major... <laughs> being a connoisseur of something does not happen because you were forced into it. I don't think. I don't know how many uh, styrofoam cups of noodles I ate at my grandmother's house growing up. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I, mean, I think you uh... have to have an, a desired appreciation <laughs> for that. <laughs> Those are pretty cool, though. There's some good stuff there. I, I wish I could translate Korean so I, I could know what it is, but you I'll, probably we'll just... would rather not. Yeah, probably. Um, so uh, the next uh, next video we did is a VanQuest Gear Envoy uh, 2.0 messenger bag. We did just a quick overview and kind of uh, show that uh, compare and contrast to the the original convoy by VanQuest. It's kind of a more of a briefcase type thing. Really, uh, really. Um, happy with with that actually mrs equipped indoors been using that for her her briefcase her laptop carry all of her files whenever she's going to shows now for about i don't know a year or two um and i've used it before on on traveling as well pretty nice i, I think it's got some stronger points of some stuff i like better than my hazard 4 um laptop bag uh but nice nice all the same uh also we we did this first the our first thing for our our premium members on the website our our team members there we did a plus website bonus episode for the e2e podcast uh with our chicuchuri bacon uh and internet rage the title of that with uh chef musman so that was pretty cool Robbie how, did you like doing that was that interesting well, it's like my favorite show in the last year or two yeah so we had you know unfortunately Unfortunately, guys, the you know Potomac, not Potomatic, um, 
Blog Talk Radio limits the size of our episode. So we try to record at a, at a top you know, audio quality, but it only leaves us about an hour worth of, of talk time before we got to cut it off. And we want to do some bonus episodes that go over an hour. Um, so we're putting it on the equippedindoor.com website. So that's going to be premium content on the website. And I think we want another 45 minutes on that. And that's something I think that we're going to do more often than not when we have some, spe- more, some more special guests or we have additional dialogue. And uh, so it'll be something for the for the premium web, uh, members out there. Or also, when we're bickering and just can't get our whole audience <laughs> together. Now. now we did have we did that wasn't the first one we technically did. We did one, and we ended up arguing in a heated debate for like two hours. And I ended up not That's using. That's because you that. guys are assholes. <laughs> <laughs> what? Hey, Adam. Yeah. You know when you're you're a bigger when you're the biggest asshole you'll ever be. Mm-hmm. What's that? It's when you're proving that an asshole is wrong. <laughs> well, there goes our clean rating for this podcast episode. Gosh, earmuffs for the parents out there with small children. Um, yeah, you know what? It, it was it was a good conversation, but you know, we, we decided we decided not to put it out. We didn't want anybody to have hurt feelings. So. I'm sorry. Would would anal, anal Fisher have been more appropriate? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Uh, uh, that sounds that. Why is that? You know that that shows the life I have lived in, because <laughs> that is way more disturbing to me than a. <laughs> I, I don't know why, but that just seems really it, nasty. You know, Dan. Ever since you've come to the show, it's just gone downhill, man. You know. <laughs> <laughs> now I will admit that maybe I've accelerated it, but let's be honest, <laughs> I did not change the direction. <laughs> Yeah, you know, you know, it's Robbie and I have been fighting our, ma- our 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 natural our natural instinct for so long. It was bound to just, you know, start. Cr- there's supposed to be cracks and fissures, you know, are starting to form from day one. So. I was I was a vulgar, vile little human being when you guys met me. Don't well, you know, we're we're cops. It's funny. I was talking to somebody the other day, you know, a buddy of mine who he's actually still in the army. Dan and he he is an enlisted guy, but he works around a lot of officers because of the nature he does. He does IT stuff, so he's always in there fixing their stuff. You know, uh, dealing with some pretty high brass people. Um, so he he really has to to stay on his very professional, you know, proper P's and Q type attitude. It's not like he's like you know hanging out with the guys in the barrack or anything. And um, when we get together. You know, it's you know, and it's the same with me. You know, I'm always I'm a contact professional out on the job, and always very professional, and, and we don't curse in public or anything like that. And then when you get together with your buddies, and you and you got to take that hat off for a little bit and just like decompress, and the stuff that flies out of your mouth when you're doing that, it's it's kind of like it's like you know, you got to you got to vent that. You know, you got to hit the the pressure valve a little bit. You know what I mean, Dan? Yeah. So, well, not not you probably. You know, Robbie knows what I mean because Dan probably you know doesn't have any control over it whatsoever. You know, I could control it, but I choose not to. And that's why I work by myself in an empty warehouse. <laughs> hey, Adam, yeah. let, let him tell let him tell that story to people who have not been around him when he's with his wife and kids. Oh, that's Different true. Human being. That's right. Yeah. You know what? I, I, I take that back. It is. A yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Constantly in the Eastland household. That is a very, a very prim and proper household. And I, and I tip my hat to you, sir. I tip my hat. So, well, everything's got its time and place. You know that it, that is true. That is true. I and go to Dan's house for a week. I just come home and beat my kids. I mean, it's <laughs> like I didn't realize how bad you kids were. <laughs> That's the truth. 
Um, yeah, it makes me embarrassed. Like, Daniel, Daniel, come over to my house. My kids aren't that well behaved yet. It's it's harder with girls. You kind of just let them do what they want to do. But right. the and girls are usually so much easier than boys anyway, so you don't have to oh. lean on them all the time. For See, all those listeners who think I'm cruel and mean and don't realize that it's a joke, one of my kids is a grown person with a child of her own. She would, uh, I, I think I'd have problems coming home and whooping her. Oh, she, <laughs> she would take you, Robbie. Yeah, she probably would. <laughs> so uh, for those of our premium members out there on the E2E website also, we uh, Madison Mondays are back. We had a three-part series of how to make a pin snare. Uh, set so the concept of building the set and final setup and testing and one cool you know madison's been trapping so long and you know there, I, i'm not, there's tons of examples out there on how to make traps on the internet but one interesting thing is there's a whole different thing when you're talking to somebody who actually not somebody who, who who's practiced making a trap you know what i mean there's a difference between a guy that goes out there and he's proficient in making a trap and a guy that's been trapping to eat for 30 40 years you know, there, I mean, it's the it's the same thing with hunters too, Adam. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, very, go ahead, Dan. Very few people appreciate or realize how important trap placement is. Yeah, I mean, you can yep. make the best trap in the world, but if it's not where an animal is going to go, yep. it's not going to do you any good. And we just had that series with uh with Bobby Plude, and he and he caught that fox in that trap, and it it just there, there's so much, and it, and it's funny because you know I was talking to Bobby, and I'm like I was like. You know, we turn the camera on and turn the camera off, and then and keep, he'll keep on talking to teaching. I'm like, you know, Bobby, this is, I, I could sit here and film you for 30 minutes, with, you know, doing this five times, and, and I guarantee people would still learn something new that you're, you're little things that you're saying right here and there. It, there's just so much into it and, it, and it's really difficult to put it in an eight or 10 minute YouTube video. So, um, but that was, you know, we, we pushed out all three parts on one day because unfortunately, um, you know, Madison's kind of old school, and he he mails me the memory card of his footage, and it got delayed because it got it got stamped with do not do not scan because the memory card on there. So it actually had to go through the the slower mail. It took like a week and a half to get here. Um, so we we pushed all that into one video, but we had some other stuff in the uh, in the queue. So Madison Mondays are back on the website, guys, and we just released another one, which is Hunting Slingshots 101 Part One, and in this series, he's going to talk about how to cast, you know, he's talking about slingshots, how to, how to use, how to hunt with them, and then a, there's a large part of how to cast your own lead projectiles, which is pretty cool. Even if you're, you know, even if you're doing, like, some black powder stuff, you can use that as well because he's actually making uh, black powder slugs in this in this video series. So that'll be a, a multi-part one coming up here, which is pretty cool. You know, like, I know personally I'll probably never, never you know, cast lead slugs myself. Um, but you know, sitting here editing the video, it's it's pretty cool, man. I, I'm like I can't wait to finish editing the series. I'm, I'm enjoying just watching it to to edit it. Uh, so pretty neat stuff. So guys, stand by for that series that's coming up here in the very near future. We'll start some of that on Monday, next Monday. Also, you have that casting lead stuff. You don't want to mess around with that. One of my jobs when I was in high school. <laughs> Every, you know, you you do you remember in Living Color that show in Living Color. <laughs> The Jamaican yeah. family. Yes, man. <laughs> Robbie is a Jamaican family, man. Like he, so, he's a Jamaican family in one person. Like, let me just go through this. Let me see if what I miss. All right, you've been an electrician, you've been a plumber, you've been a gas man, you've been a cop. I was been a plumber's a... assistant. I, I've never been. Okay, okay. Uh, you've been a cop. You've been a, a canine trainer, handler. You've been a cowboy. <laughs> you used yeah. to work at a at a slaughterhouse. I worked in a meat processing plant. Yeah. yeah. Well, he was uh, both a he was both a Saturday night cowboy and a working cowboy. 
I worked been... on the hog farm, turkey farm. I worked <laughs> in the canning plant, tobacco <laughs> fields. Uh, yeah, tobacco all fields. Kind of, all kinds of farm labor. Yeah, there's all. I've had lots of jobs. You've been. You've been. Damn, camera- Robbie, can you not keep a job, son? You've been a you know, camera. You've been a cameraman. You, no, I don't a, think that one counts. I wasn't good <laughs> enough at that to even, even count that. He was a buffer. Uh, inter, an internet, an internet uh, personality. Yeah. You, you know, uh, you know, uh, a speaker. Uh, you know, uh, a public speaker. You know, uh, I mean, how many jobs have you had with E two E? Like fifty. Yeah, so. I wear a lot of hats. <laughs> so I've worked at this place where we made the lead weights for fishing. Okay. And the and and the heads for fishing lures. Okay. And let me tell you something. After your first, the first time you go home with bleeding thumbs, from from pinching and carving off the little mold line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On, flash. Uh, yeah. After about eight or ten hours of that, and you get paid by the bucket of lead finished lead pieces you do <laughs> tell you something working in a lead plant yeah how, how, how that crap how long was that did that job last well i mean it was an after school thing dude so i oh, gotcha 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 I, i'm i can't i can't remember whether i was even old enough to work or if that was one of those where a family member kind of got me in the back door yeah thing you know that's a common thing there's there's what you can legally go get a worker permit and do underage so and this was like this is this is you worked there here when you were 12 yeah i was <laughs> it was a chinese sweatshop <laughs> <laughs> you know i gotta be honest i was really expecting something from robbie about about the third time you spill molten lead on yourself you decide <laughs> i i did ruin some clothes with the melting lead i will say that that was uh but luckily, all burns I got were pretty superficial because uh, when you walk in as a kid into a shop like that, the first thing they do is suit you up to the point that Iron Man would be jealous. Yeah, I can imagine. Because you know. that stuff, I mean, lead is toxic as well. So. Yeah. So, uh, but they didn't know that back. They didn't know back, that back in the 1800s when Robbie was working. <laughs> Isn't Robbie younger than you, Dan? Yeah, guess not. <laughs> yeah, but he looks older. <laughs> oh Jesus! All right, so the next uh, we got a great, uh, a great video coming up from our uh, our good friend James Montana, the the Jungle Bum. He's an E2E uh, team member. It's uh, Jungle Plant Walk, and uh, you know. Uh, James lives over there in Asia. Every video. Oh yeah, he he's got. We we'll have a couple other. James is trying to do a weekly series for us, and it's so awesome because he's out in Asia right now and learning what you know what those guys have out in the jungles out there. It's just a new. It's an it's an, a new perspective, and it's one of those things. Not only is it entertaining, but it's just it's so educational, and we don't get a chance to do stuff like that. It's just fascinating. So James will be pushing some stuff here. You guys will see him as a frequent face on the uh, the website. Last but not least, I have a video, Robbie, that you haven't seen yet because, ha- oh, maybe you've seen it on the back the back end, um, but it's kind of a little little PSA, little public service announcement. On your and... back end. <laughs> I don't see what you did there. You, you um, set that one up. Dude. I know, I know, I can't. I, it, you know what? I'm sick, man. My powers, my powers are, are weak right now. Um, the title of the video is "What Is Your Digital Legacy: The New Age of Internet Identity." And the reason that I, I did this, this video is, is recently, you know, we, we've talked about the problems with YouTube. And, you know, most of the times when guys get on there, they disagree with me or they have a little argument between people. I don't really, I don't really care. It just, you know, it is what it is. If they want to get on there and have an argument, as long as it doesn't get, you know, hateful or racial or whatever, 
I, I, I let it I let it go. But, you know, I want to talk to the young men out there who, who listen to this, or even maybe the parents with children out there, is that there is a assumed anonymity when it comes to, to the Internet that is an illusion. You know, every keystroke, everything you do, everything you post can be traced back to you, all right? And as of right now, those abilities are really only used by law enforcement um, and, and other, you know, you know, homeland security and stuff like that. But there, it, there will be a time here in the very near future where services will be provider, provided to, to employers and everything that will actually go back and look at people's digital history and what they say and what they do. And, you know, in, in short, you know, you guys will be held accountable to what you say and do online. And, you know, there's this, there's, there's this wild study I read uh, maybe a year and a half ago that they, they are projecting 60-some percent of young people today, uh, the, 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 I guess the, the, the Nexers or the Generation Y or whatever it is. I don't we'll even know what We'll have to change their name. We'll have to change their name. They will have to legally. <laughs> they will have to legally change their name to get away from their their digital persona that they established while they were teenagers and young people and didn't have any sense. And you know, you, you really, you guys really need to think about that. I mean, it comes down to some. It comes down to some opsec on you on you personally. You know, you know, you got to be careful what you say and do. It's going to come back and haunt you. And it's and it's funny. My wife was telling me there was something on she saw on Facebook. I think it was like George Takai. She follows him. He's funny. He's hilarious. I love that guy. Um, but some you know some young woman was like starting her job at like Papa John's or something, and she was like. Oh, I'm gonna start oh, yeah. my crappy job tomorrow on Papa John's, and then Papa John's replied to her tweet, "No, you're not. You're fired, like publicly." And uh, you know, and, and you know, I have I have a friend uh, that you know she had some issues with getting a you know getting a job because somebody was looking into her her stuff as well. And you know, even my sister, my sister's a teacher. She's got two Facebook pages. She's got one that is that is um, you know her her professional with her proper name and then she's got one with a kind of a made-up name um that she uses for her friends and family so it's just it's just one of those things um that you guys really got to be really got to be careful out there and i kind of want to open the, the floor up to you guys to see if you had anything to say about it or any you know in, uh, input first and foremost i'd like to say thank god there were no camera phones when i was coming up yeah there are enough embarrassing pictures of me out there from just regular phones or regular cameras. Uh-huh. If there had been internet access, uh, I'd been, well, I couldn't even have the job I have today. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and to that point, I'm constantly trying to remind the boys, you know, remember what you say is out there forever. Yeah. And when you're around, remember everything you do, someone's going to get a picture of. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's something, Robbie. I mean, you probably had to deal with it in the tail end of your law enforcement career, um, but it's something currently that that law enforcement officers are we're terrified of it because it's it's like that one time you say something wrong or you or you, or you make the wrong move or whatever. And I'm not saying that guys are doing their job improperly, but you know, sometimes you got to use grown up words. You know, with a situation, we have this thing. You know, ask, ask, tell, make. And you know that's not pretty. There's somebody with a camera in your face, and that and that takes away your focus of what you're supposed to be doing, and creates and creates problems. And now, I mean, nowadays you just there's cameras everywhere. I mean, there's literally you you are literally probably no less than a foot 
away from a microphone and a camera your entire life, 24-7, unless you're in the shower. So, am I, am, I, am I wrong about that, Robbie? No, you probably are. Yeah. So, it's just, uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's some crazy stuff. Um, what is this that you just sent me, Dan? <laughs> what the heck? Yeah, you got to look at it. I, I would tell you. <laughs> I was going to bring it up during the podcast, but you're going to have to look at it before I tell you. Otherwise, you won't believe me. Okay, I'm looking at it right now. What What is this? It is a pneumatically powered salt shotgun. For uh, It was originally designed for <laughs> shooting flies, <laughs> but for killing insects. <laughs> so you, you put table salt in it, and... It fires the grains of salt like shotgun pellets. <laughs> what, what does that say about our world now? That at one, point, <laughs> at one point, salt was of higher value than gold, and now it is a it is a ammunition for shooting insects. So this thing is eighty five dollars. You can buy it on Indiegogo. You know, not to say we were having a serious a serious discussion, Dan, about a public service announcement for people not to make jackasses out of themselves on the internet. Yeah, but and that's you okay. We'll, we'll talk about the bug the bug assault two point Hey, you know, you're putting me to sleep. A couple of the listeners went to check oh, their email. Oh my god, Dan, how do you even find this stuff? This needs to be your gear pick of the week. So. Uh, I think it will be. No, what it needs to be is Dan needs to be forced to walk around with that for about two weeks in his everyday life. I mean, go to the grocery store with it strapped across his back, everywhere, <laughs> just, just for the fact that he he brought this up in a grown person conversation. <laughs> he should have to he should have to walk around with this thing for a while. Oh come on! Can you get one for PWYP. Uh, I will try. <laughs> uh, there are there are some i mean this is msrp so obviously you can find them other places for a little less but yeah i will uh i will f- try to find one for practice what you preach now dan all, all kidding aside couldn't you see somebody looking for the salt shaker on your table <laughs> <laughs> and just going oh does that need salt <laughs> I was thinking more of oh, he, you think he, it needs he, salt? He even There's has your spr- salt, mother. He even has spray his spray patterns uh, for distance. <laughs> yeah. So this guy, this guy is in his house, and he's releasing a jar of flies in his house, so he can he can, he can walk around and shoot them. Well, that that says that the the tool is effective because he had to get flies from somewhere else, meaning all his were already dead. <laughs> He's got a slow motion of him shooting a fly. <laughs> you know, every oh good shooter God. will uh, obviously pattern his gun before he takes it out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the max. I, th- I think the maximum effective range is only thirty-six inches, though. I can't, Dan. I can't believe we're talking about this. <laughs> what you can't believe is I found it first. No, no. This. I mean, it. It, it looks like a Nerf gun, ladies and gentlemen. It looks like a Nerf gun had a kid with a Dewalt screwdriver. Um, that's it's that's about as accurate as I can I can express. So, it's 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 and it's Indiegogo. You know what, Dan? I'll put it on the show notes for people. All right. This is gonna be hey. your this is gonna be your gear pick of the week. Hey, and it's this more sanitary than a fly swatter. <laughs> and and this is Dan's legacy. Yeah. This is what you Here bring is to the Dan's podcast. internet legacy. 
Yeah, that's right. That's right. Jeez, Bug Assault 2.0 Camo Fly. That's so freaking <laughs> trendy. Oh, gosh, Dan. What, what, what have you done? Hey, don't hate me because I'm beautiful. Just hate me because I'm better than you. I know you think you are. <laughs> oh, so man. what's next in the show? I don't know. I think the show got just derailed because of Dan's ridiculousness. Well, um, you know, I speak. really do like the idea of using it for seasoning food, too. Oh, you uh, want me to pass the salt? You don't think my soup's got enough I mean, salt I, in I, it? I think it's I funny. I your salt I, right here. I think it's funny if you're like a, the grill master in a, in a comedy cooking show. You know that you know you bring this out to salt the salt the steaks on the on the grill. I think that's pretty funny. But I, I think you can you have to use just normal table salt. I don't think you use good like sea salt or any of that. No, you so, do. You have to use small grains. Yeah. So that's that's just wild, man. That's just wild. So it. it <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm sorry, Robbie. What were you saying, Robbie? Something you know that was sensible that the, the folks oh, that I don't listen to. Oh, I remember now. Um, we're getting ready for practice what you preach, though. I'm excited, man. I am, too. Very excited. So, um, for those of you guys who don't know, uh, uh, Robbie, will be up, Robbie and I will be up practice what you preach into March, and Dan, you're coming as well. Oh. I think I think Madison's coming. Um, uh, I don't know if anybody else is coming of the crew. I know Sam, from uh, he's an E2E guy. He's coming. He'll be there. I'm looking forward to meeting Madison. I've, I've, I have never actually been face-to-face with him. You didn't meet him at, but I guess he didn't come to to Blade Show that one year, did he? No. He's 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 a good guy. You'll you'll enjoy his company. So, I'm just afraid he's gonna scare some people at PWIP. <laughs> he can be intense. Yeah. So uh, that'll be uh that'll be interesting. So. Oh, speaking of, I also for uh, PWYP, but, but yeah, practice what you preach. Um. I got a call into Musman uh, about some sausage. Oh, sweet! You got a call to man to a man about some sausage. Yep. So, hey, I you know what, man? You, you and Todd, you could do your own outdoor cooking podcast. That guy is fun on the on the air, man. I, yeah. he, he he did awesome. I hope he enjoyed himself. Yeah, he is he is part entertainer. <laughs> it's it's amazing. Yeah, I've watched him do some classes before. Yeah. And it's just amazing to watch. Uh-huh. Um, we, I've been kicking around the idea, and I've talked to him a little bit about how we can get each other in the same place at the same time. Uh-huh. But, yeah, we were thinking uh, maybe even uh, video segments. That'd be cool. I'd enjoy I I enjoy that. So, all right. Um, I think we got all the videos squared away. Robbie, do we have anything else we want to say about the digital legacy thing? Are we? Do we beat that to death? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so you know what, what? You, you want to put everybody back to sleep again? Ah, whatever, man. I, dude, it's, I think it's important, man. I think there's a lot of you know young people. I don't. Who, you don't think it's important? No, I think, I think they deserve important what they too, get. But I don't want to talk about it. I think they get. I think they deserve what they get. <laughs> I, I, I think if you didn't have any raising, your mom and daddy didn't teach you to speak correctly to people, and and have manners, then reap the reap the reward. I think it's like radio radioactive material. It's when man was first learning how to harness the atom. They didn't know how dangerous it was until they started getting cancer and people started dying. So I think that there's going to be a lot of victims. Not victims. That's not the right word. There's going to be a lot of casualties. 
lot of casualties in regards to the the boom of social media and the internet and connectivity that you know people don't understand privacy anymore that is that is becoming a foreign concept to young people they just don't care about privacy is almost dead they don't care about it and they're they're not prepared to you know reap the ramifications now i will say this though maybe in the future everybody's private crap is out there and everybody's not embarrassed about it anymore and they just don't care and we kind of grow up as a civil a civilization in a, in a in a country that everybody says stupid crap and taken out of context and make poor decisions and, and we're finally mature enough to say well you know what yeah i did that when i was young and dumb and i'm a different person now and i've grown and i've learned or so that, maybe do, that be, does happen as well maybe it'll you be know? like back into a small community where you live, you grow up, live, and die all in that same group of people. So everybody knows your stuff. Yeah. So you learn to keep your freaking crazy to yourself. Yeah. Well, you know, Pam was Pam and I were having a conversation about about social media and the connectivity, um, and she was saying that there's these these anthropologists that are that are saying that actually nothing has really changed. Like back in the day when you were in that small community and you're at the watering hole and you saw somebody you know that you didn't know and and you would ask you know, everybody, who's that guy, what's his deal, and everybody would already know that person in their dirt and everything about it, and it would, you know, it would make it, you know, the round-robin gossip because everybody knew everybody else. So yep. there's always been that mechanism in society. It's just transformed to something else. So there is that argument. Maybe it's not going to be that different after all, but I don't know. We will see. So we'll we'll, we'll leave it at that, Robbie. We'll, we'll move on. So gear picks, Robbie, what you got, man? I know you were, you've been talking about this item for a while. Yeah, yeah I got the... Um... I got the uh, Blackthorn stainless steel water bottle, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm I'm loving it. You know, the uh, I wanted a I wanted the 32 ounce stainless steel water bottle, uh-huh. and I'd been using the Pathfinder bottle for a while, but I didn't like the cap on it. Yeah. You know, I I like I use Nalgene accessories a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, they're available everywhere, and this Blackthorn bottle brings me the ability to use my Nalgene accessories, my tops. It fits everything a Nalgene does. Yeah. And it's, I want to say it's like uh, uh, it's less short. than less than two ounces more than the Nalgene bottle okay. in weight. Uh, it's, it, it's so, the difference in weight is so finite that you have to put it on a scale. There's no way to hold it in your hand until... I guess maybe some really great Colombian drug lord out there could tell the difference in weight between hand to hand, but normal people wouldn't be able to tell the difference between the weight of a plastic Nalgene and this stainless steel bottle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, like I said, is it, is, 32 ounces. Now, this one's only about 28. You can get it on uh, Amazon. We have an Amazon link for 28 bucks with free shipping. Is this cheaper than your, your Pathfinder bottle? Yeah, it was cheaper. The Pathfinder bottle comes with a cup. Okay. Uh, so there is some argument there for, you know, the uh, price normally if you if you add a cup to the uh, Blackthorn bottle. Okay. But considering you can get a cup for, you know, um, uh, five bucks out there online, you're you're really the cost difference is probably. Now, did you get did you get one of those Pathfinder bottles that actually had some issues with it? There's no. some. That no, were like and, pitting and stuff on the inside that I've seen. No, and that's the the benefit of me buying mine versus E2E buying it. Mm-hmm. If E2E had bought bought it, it I probably got would have gotten it right when they came out. Okay. And I'd have probably had uh, uh, some problems, but I got mine later on. 
And yeah. so my cat fits on, on my Pathfinder bottle. The cat fits fine. It doesn't have any problems. It doesn't leak. It doesn't, um, th- there's nothing wrong with it. Okay. As a matter of fact, it, I'll still be using it as a, a backup secondary. Yeah, I'm sure it'll end up in a kit somewhere. Um, but for my personal and, uh, now I'll be ordering a couple more of the Blackthorn bottles because I'll put one in my wife's vehicle and one in my vehicle. Um, and then I have my mine that I carry. And no, that's not a necessity to anyone listening. That's because Robbie can't remember crap. So, so <laughs> I forget to put my pack from one vehicle we, to the other vehicle. We, we or, were just having that conversation yeah, uh, the other day. That's just too hectic. Sometimes I forget crap. So having it there if I ever need it. It, you know, it's worth the it's it's worth the twenty five twenty eight bucks to to do that to me. Yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of like backup knives. I there's you know nothing wrong with the knife on, that's on my hip, but if I run out in an emergency and forget it, I yeah. want to know that there's a good one in the car. You know, yeah. Um, that type thing. Uh, but the the Blackthorn bottle is now my new go to, and uh, I'm not sure if we. Do, I don't know if we've got this accessory on our web store yet, Adam. Uh huh. But I've added the pill cap that now Gene makes for their plastic. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're telling me about I that. I was look. You t- yeah. I've, I started looking for one of those yesterday. Well, what I'm able to do is now I have my Blackthorn bottle, so it's stainless steel. I can boil in it. But in the case that I, for some reason, cannot make fire happen today, weather, whatever. Inside the pill cap, I keep water purification tablets. I've got uh, five water purification tablets. So I can actually make five liters of water drinkable with, with nothing but grabbing that bottle because they're stored inside the cap. That's, that That's is a smart idea, man. I really like that. Uh, I, you know what? I haven't, I, haven't, I haven't updated any of my kit here recently, and I think that's one... That's gonna that's gonna have to happen. That is pretty cool. You got, you got the get the Blackthorn bottle because it's the only stainless steel bottle I'm aware of that you can actually use Nalgene caps on. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's a big deal for me. That is very cool, very cool. Um, so uh, yeah, you gotta send me some pictures of that that cap, Robbie. I, I still haven't seen you how, how you deployed it, but we'll we'll no do that. Problem. We'll do that after. We'll do that afterwards. Um, Dan, what do you have for your your pick? Well, I have been playing with using uh, tea infusers or mm-hmm. tea balls. Okay. Now, are you talking about the? Now, I'm looking at your link. Are you yeah, talking about the, the three fifty dollar mesh tea ball cup size? That's what I've been using. And I actually, I was in the grocery store, and they had they weren't the mesh ones. They were like perforated tin. Mm-hmm. And I started thinking, you know, those holes are pretty small. If I grind some coffee coarse, you should be able to make coffee the way you make tea. Mm -hmm. So I have been experimenting with using that for making backwoods coffee. Okay. Because, you know, that little ball, it's thin metal and the mesh. I want to try to find one of the mesh ones and try with that. But it weighs nothing. And you just fill it with some coarse grinds. So far, the best results have been boil. Boiling it in the water, mm-hmm. um, I lose a little more grinds that way, but I get a, a richer, stronger cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. But in a pinch, you know, taking hot water, dropping the, uh, 
dropping that infuser in it with some coffee grinds and letting it steep for a few minutes has given me, you know, say Waffle House quality coffee, which... What? Go ahead. Dan, I'll have to find you the link for it. Yeah. But our, our friend James Montana is now doing E2E videos. Back when he was doing videos for himself, uh, he did a, a video on, on kit stuff he carries, you know, when he's in the jungle and all. Yep. And one of the things he carries is one of those mesh, metal mesh T balls. Yeah, same because, thing. Because he. He, you know, he said it didn't matter tea, coffee, whatever, even brush tea, you know, tea that he found, uh, like pine, from, pine needles or whatever. Yeah. Stuff yeah. he gathered from, you know, while out on a trek, it didn't really matter whether it was store bought or, or, or found on the trail, he threw it in a tea ball and he could make a pretty good cup of, you know, hot liquid. Uh, so I'll find you that video and send you the link. That's a great, that's a great, uh. Addition to a kid I hadn't thought of in a while. Yeah, I, I, actually, I, I second that. Yeah, I, I have been enjoying the uh, uh, Starbucks is making those instant coffee sticks that you put me onto a while a while back, Robbie. And now there's some other market ones that are pretty that are pretty good instant coffee. It's not like the crappy, you know, instant coffee you get in the the MREs, but something like that, you know, throw it in your throw it in your uh, in your uh, zebra pot or something like that. It it, is, it doesn't pack up much room you know what i mean i got some room in my zero pod as it is anyway so i really i really want to find out do some research and figure out who makes the best tasting instant coffee out uh you know all all the instant car coffees i've ever seen on the market work fairly well uh-huh you know the the water becomes black and bitter okay <laughs> that's kind of coffee uh, but but they generally don't they they taste terrible yeah. Uh, well, I don't, so think, I the, I don't think the Starbucks. I mean, you know what? But I drink black coffee, and I like a lot of. I like the the darkest roast out there. I mean, I my favorite is this double black diamond extra bold. Um, but you you like you like strong coffee too, oh, Robbie. Yeah. I love I love I, I, if a horseshoe won't stand up in it, it ain't done yet. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of the E two ears that went to one of the E two E camps, Adam, his he had a relative or family member that that worked for Starbucks, and she got free samples. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And he he actually gave me some, and then we tried them from him, and that's that's where we got onto those at. Uh, but you know these little plastic Nalgene bottles, the the like some people keep spices in them and uh -huh. and all kinds of things. I saw a video the other day of a guy that carries one of those, you know, it's palm size bottles uh, with instant coffee in it in his huh. kit. And I was oh, like, oh, that's, that's a good idea yeah, for man. somebody like, you know, it doesn't matter if I go on a, on a three day trek or if I'm going to be gone on a hike for an hour, there's a 50, 50 chance. I'm going to make a cup of coffee, even if I'm only gone an hour, you know, you that's know, just part of it. You get out there in the middle of nowhere and build you a little fire and make you a cup of coffee. I, I still want to try one of those little, those little espresso presses, those little micro espresso presses. I mean, I know it's, I, you know, and I don't even, I don't even. You know, no, it, dig on espresso that much. I mean, I like it every once in a while, but it, I just, it is one of those things where it's kind of cool. <laughs> I just want to see how it works out in the field. I, I like the press bot. Is that the, um, thing that, uh, the, the French press that, thing that you have? The yeah, that goes inside a Nalgene bottle. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I wouldn't care, I wouldn't carry it down in an, you know, an emergency pack, but if I'm planning on going to the woods, 
it fits in my Nalgene bottle, and it makes a good cup of actually more than a cup of coffee. Well, it makes a Robbie-sized cup of coffee. Well, you know what, though? And I'm going to tell you, Robbie, no matter how high-speed, low-drag, fancy cup of coffee, the best cup of coffee I've probably ever had in my life is that day that we roasted those beans. And, and I beat them with an uh, axe. Yeah. beat them with an axe and a, and a handkerchief, and we just made some cowboy coffee. You know, I mean, don't, yeah, you're every, you know, little bit, but that was fine, man. That was a good, that was a good cup of coffee, man. Uh, yeah, and, had, had I had some cheesecloth, you know, had had I thought about that ahead of time and had some cheesecloth with me, we could have strained it. Yeah, yeah. So, now, I think my favorite cup, and I think some of this was also just the environment, but when I was down in Columbia, I was a, an early riser. Mm-hmm. So I always had a good 45 minutes before anybody else was up. So I would go down. We had made a little table, and I'd go down there to write in my journal. And yeah. uh, it turns out that the, the cook got, would get up about the same time I did, and they would bring over that first cup of coffee just skimmed right off the top of a, a pot of cowboy coffee. Yeah. And that was probably some of the – well, I guess it was also because it was in Colombia, But yeah. some of the best coffee I've ever had. I'll tell you, man, nothing makes food taste better or drink taste better being out in the field and be a little, you know, the little struggle you got there. You the know what best I mean? cup of coffee you will ever have is go duck hunting on Lake Pontchartrain. <laughs> <laughs> and there'll be some kind of freak cold snap where the, the water, as it comes up over the bow of the boat, is freezing in the air before it hits you. And then have an uncle reach down in the mud because there's just about as much mud and water in the boat as there is out reach down in that mud and pull out a thermos full of coffee and pour you a cup at that moment right before you're pretty sure you're about to freeze to death (laughs) best cup of coffee ever yeah Yeah. you got me there well hey we're running out of time so let me knock out my gear pick real quick uh there was emergency survival mylar tube tent and I like tube tents, you know, let me, let me, let me put it out there that they're not the best shelter, but when you got nothing, they're compact, they fit in pretty good kit. But I saw one that's made out of mylar that I think would be cool to set up, you know, type, making a type of super shelter or whatever to be set up in emergency debris shelter or whatever. I'm, I'm actually going to pick one up and do some experiments, Robbie. So I think that'll be, uh, that'll be pretty cool. All right, guys, we're going to wrap it up there. If you guys have any questions or comments, you can email us at podcast at equipmentdoor.com, and we'll be back next week, and uh, we're getting ready for this event, the Project What You Preach, at the end of March. Really excited. Rob, anything before we leave? Not a thing. Not a thing. All right, guys, thanks for stopping by, and make sure you guys go check out Dogwood Custom Knives and Live Fire Gear, and remember, if you're not always prepared, you're never prepared. You guys take care, and we'll see you real soon. Say goodnight, Ace. <laughs>
Right, so uh, I guess what we were talking about, I was on the, on the Knowles expedition, you know, and um, we had for 96 days, we didn't light any fires. I didn't want to break the Knowles heart or anything. It was, a, it was a total leave no trace kind of scenario. So we worked on, you know, MSR whisper lights and camp stoves. And, you know, diet was extremely important. We had to have enough fat and, and you know, to keep ourselves going, uh, carrying pretty heavy packs through the, the Wind River Range out, out west. So uh, we used these special pans where we would basically be able to bake bread and things like that. It's like a backpacker's Dutch oven. It's an ultralight little uh, aluminum pan, and it's got a lid that fits tight with a little convex cavity in the top, and you light a twiggy fire up on top there, and you offset the pan off your whisper light. You balance it on a stone or, or whatever, So and you set your stove really low. You put a little stone at 12 o'clock on top of your pan, and you set your timer. You put your cornbread mix inside, you get your fire on top, and after a minute, you turn the pan a quarter turn. And then the next minute, quarter turn. So you could cook a cornbread in about maybe 14 or 16 minutes. And you just have to babysit it kind of and kind of maintain the fire on top to cook it from the top, while at the same time you were cooking one quadrant one minute at a time from below. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And, and then you'd, you'd end up with either the best focaccia you have ate in your life or the best cornbread or whatever it was but when you were you know on your 12th or 13th day uh, you know in the bush in the woods and you 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 haven't had any fresh food that is going to taste real good especially if you can catch yourself a trout or something like that yeah whatever comes out of that pan is going to taste good oh no doubt about it but fresh baked goods tend to have a very um uh, high morale effect on your group. <laughs> you know, when, uh, when we were in the Amazon, breakfast, especially uh, the few days we were not doing well fishing, was it was just a simple bread of uh, flour, salt, water, and she'd make it kind of thick and then cook it in a, a pot of oil. Oh, yeah. And that with a little uh, oil or a little uh, strawberry jam in the foil packs. Mm. And everybody went from having a horrible day to, hey, things are pretty good. Indeed. Well, it, it, it is – it's always interesting to see what – especially <clears throat> foods that may have been uh, uh, staples when you were a kid, you know, traditional foods and, and, and all can, can have on a morale. Uh, we ate something growing up that uh, I, I didn't know was not the normal way of cooking it, but we had uh, – Todd, you may be familiar, a, a bread called a galette. Yeah. Um, yep. But we did them fried instead of baked. Growing up, we had fried galettes pretty much every day, and you smeared peanut butter on them, and it was, you know, that was a poor man's Pop-Tart. Heck, yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, in a French Cajun household, that, that, was, a, that was a Pop-Tart. And, and now, as an adult, yeah, I realize they're very simple to make, but mean so much any time I eat them, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's oh, great stuff. That's great stuff. So what else, guys? Uh, <laughs> any other any other rest? Well, did we go over the bacon thing? We need Not to yet. talk about bacon. Okay. Uh, talk bacon real quick. You know, what yeah. does it take to make bacon, and what's the – what is bacon? I mean, we well, all I'm, eat it, but what is it? We want a mommy pig and a daddy pig. Love each other very much. <laughs> uh, that's making bacon. Uh, oh yeah so bacon uh comes from the belly of the hog uh everybody knows about you know everyone knows 
ribs, right? So like the, the, the flesh on the outside of the ribs, between the ribs and the outside and the, and the skin of the pig, that's the belly. Uh, it's basically the whole side. And uh, it's got a high fat content, as we all know, and uh, it, it does tremendously well cured and smoked. Um, so two ways to do it. Um, you, you're gonna, first thing you gotta do is get yourself a fresh pork belly. Um, and that can be had at a lot of markets nowadays will carry it. Uh, you could even go to your butcher at Publix or somewhere like that. And, and if you don't have it, ask them for it and they'll bring it in for you. But you wanna get a skin on belly. Um, I am a more of a traditionalist. Now there's two ways to do it. You can either br wet brine a bacon or you can dry cure a bacon. All, all commercial bacon that you get, almost all commercial bacon, if you buy it in the, in the supermarket, is gonna be brined, okay? It's a wet cured process. Um, what they'll do is they'll take that, the bacon and they run it down a, a conveyor and they have this machine with thousands of little hypodermic needles on it that come down and punch the, the belly and at the same time inject brine into the meat. Um, what they do is they'll inject 10% of the green weight. So if you got a 10 pound belly, they're gonna inject one pound of brine. And then through the cooking process, which is a hot smoking process basically, they are going to lose that 10% again. And so they commercial bacon, you know, it's, it's all about the money. And so they can bring the final product bacon back to the original green weight and they, they don't lose anything. The way I do it is more expensive, um, but it's a far superior product and it's a dry cured method. So I'm basically taking a, a dry cure of salt and sugar and cure number one, or which, which we refer to as nitrite, and um, in very specific amounts. So um, I don't know if I have a recipe handy right here I, i'm gonna look at, i'll look in one of my books i'll find you guys something um we'll put it in the show notes don't worry we'll put it in the notes that's great i'll get you guys something but uh it's very you know you want to weigh everything out properly and then all you're going to do is basically going to just rub that cure all over the pork belly okay and it's mostly on the meat side it really the cure isn't going to penetrate that skin so much but having leaving the skin on will help also retain as much moisture and weight as possible. You will lose less if you leave the skin on. Um, so we rub it down and put it into, put it on a pan and just cover it with some plastic and put it in the cooler. Uh, every day, depending on the size of your pork belly, you're gonna overhaul the, the, um, the pork every day. When I say overhaul, I mean, you're gonna, you're gonna take it and just flip it over. So if it goes in there skin side down, uh, meat up, you're gonna the next day you're gonna flip it over so that it's meat down, skin up. And then the next day you do the same thing. And all that, and, and you can always reapply a little bit of cure because what's gonna happen is it's gonna draw the moisture out of the meat and that, that cure on the outside is gonna, is gonna combine with the moisture in the meat and gonna make its own liquid. And that liquid's gonna be in the bottom of the pan. And that's, it's kind of like your cure. Okay, it is your cure. It's kind of like making its own brine in a way. Right, so, but when you wrap it in plastic, are you talking like airtight saran wrap? Yeah, you can you can do it that way, or you, or you can just if you have a just see, if you have multiple, here's the thing: if you have multiple bellies, yeah. if you, say you're doing like four or six six of them at a time, because it takes time, and you might as well do it. It it holds well, it freezes great, so you might as well if you're going to go through the process, 
do enough to last. So if you've got six bellies, you're going to stack them. And then the top one goes to the bottom and vice versa, right? So you're going to overhaul them like that every every day. So you take the top one, flip it over onto the bottom, and then flip the next one and the next one and the next one, and then you do that every single day. And that you wouldn't be wrapping them up. Um, you want that that liquid to run away from the pork. At home, at home, we had actually two wooden boxes. Yep. And yep. You, every day you transferred from one box to the other box, and it basically just reversed everything. Exactly. When you moved it from box to box and back and forth. So, Robbie, you were overhauling before, you know, you even knew it. Before you knew what overhauling was. I had no clue what it was. <laughs> there you go. So that was that's that step. Now, a thick, a nice thick belly, you know, from a winter hog that has a good, good fat cap on it. I mean, it's going to take se- about seven days to cure properly. So, again, you're, you know, you're going... You're going the, the high road here. You're taking the high road, and then it's going to take more time. It's going to cost more money, and it's going to take more of your patience to get this done right. Um, you can you can brine a belly very, very quickly and have it turned over very, very quickly. But, again, it's not the quality product. If you're going to make it yourself, you can also go for it. Um, so then, then it's the smoking process. Once we... Once we get the cure done, and uh, it goes five to seven days or so, depending on thickness, we'll go ahead and rinse those bellies off real good. Just cold, fresh, running water. Uh, you can you can even fill a sink up and kind of like let them soak for a second and run, just get all that cure off the surface. And we're going to dry them overnight. We're going to put them on a rack and let them dry overnight in the, in the refrigerator. And that's to form a pellicle. We talked about that a little bit before when we talked dry-aged meat. That pellicle is going to help the smoke to adhere to the meat. If you try to smoke wet meat, it doesn't work out. Hmm. Okay. Smoke won't adhere. You get streak marks as like it sweats and it starts to run down. It 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 doesn't look good. And uh, it's worth waiting to get that pellicle properly formed. Then, then you can hang your street, your uh, belly in your smokehouse. Um, it, it, you can put it on a rack and, and, and just as long as the smoke can get all the way around it, that's fine. Um, I, I do prefer myself to use a bacon hanger and like a, a dowel and I can, cause I do a bunch at a time so I can hang them kind of like you're hanging clothes in your closet with a straight up and down. And that way you can fit more in the smokehouse. Um, we start the smoke pretty low. All right. About 130 degrees and we'll, we'll run the smokehouse Dampers wide open, top and bottom, so you get as much airflow as your smokehouse allows. And you're going to let the 130-degree air run over that bacon for about an hour or two. And that is just to further dry the outside and make sure that all the moisture is evaporated off. And then we can start applying smoke. I prefer applewood smoke for my bacon. Uh, Some people like hickory, uh, but it's all up to you. It's a personal preference, and you can can use whatever kind of smoke. You, know, you can be as wrong as you want to be. I, I'll tell you. I'll tell you one good tip. I'll give you, and probably the best smoking medium for bacon I've ever come across is switch out the brown sugar in your cure for maple syrup, and then smoke mm. them over corn cobs. Huh? Oh, corn man! Like dry corn cobs, like where they'll dry the corn for dent corn for animal feed or for grits or something like that. Like I've gone to grit grinding parties and all like. I'll ask the farmer, hey, do you mind if I collect the cobs? And they look at me like I'm out of my mind. But they are, I don't know if you guys realize, I mean, it takes an axe to chop a corn cob in half. I mean, they are tough as nails once they're dry. 
and they smoke and they produce this sweet, I mean, sweet corn. I mean, it produces yeah. a sweet smoke that just goes amazing on bacon and ham. Well, I guess it chars well too, being so dense. Oh man, it chars great. It smolders great. Um, it, it's light as all get out, light as can be. Um, it probably make pretty pretty good tinder material too. It'd probably holds spark really good. So that's something for you guys to play with, I guess. But uh, get your hands on some corn cob and use that to smoke your bacon. Um, you start applying smoke about two hours in and start to bump up the temperature of the smokehouse. So. I'll bump it up to 140 for an hour and then bump it up to 145 for an hour and then bump it up to 150. 150 is about as far as I'll ever take it. And really bacon only needs to get to about 130 internal um, to set the color and set the nitrite. So uh, you're done. You take it out, you let it cool, uh, you know, cut it, wrap it up, uh, cryovac it, vacuum seal it whatever you're going to do, but that's, that's the basic on how to do bacon right there. So if we get above the 150, what are we, we're, we're technically then what, cooking it instead well, of? Well, yeah, you know, okay, so the, the government now, uh, it used to be 165 was the doneness temperature for pork, and they'd say if you want it to be a fully cooked, ready-to-eat product, you'd have to bring it to 165. Years ago, they switched it down to 150, and then a couple, about a year back, they, the USDA now says 145. So technically speaking, uh, you could just the hottest you could bring you you your smokehouse up to, you know, one thirty five or so and just let it ride. Man, I used to I would smoke my bacon when I do it homemade. I mean, you get to that point where you let it ride. If you got a smokehouse that can maintain temperature, it has an electric element in it, and you you know it's accurate, you can let it go for overnight. So Todd, I'm I'm. I'm guessing though you're pretty good with balancing, you know, m- many different projects at one time. And you're probably smoking or, or, you know, doing. I don't even know how many different meats. Like I could, for, yeah. For mm-hmm. somebody starting out, uh, starting out, like what's the e- like the easiest thing to like kind of like, you know, just get there, get some skin in the game with it. You know what I mean? Just, you just want to get skin in the game. You know, um, the the best thing to start out with, I, I mean, really is start out trying to cure and smoke some like salmon. Okay. Okay. I mean, if you want to go full, full bacon, you know, the, the, the cheapest way to get a, an electric smokehouse on your back deck is probably like a Bradley smoker. Okay. Or one of these master built um, electric pit smokers. Uh, they, they're pretty accurate. They're electric element. Uh, you, can, you can apply smoke uh, as much or as little as you like. So I, uh, that's probably going to be your best bet to get in into this hobby. Uh, pretty cheap and you can do man a Bradley smoker is great the only the only drawback with those that I the only thing I don't like about them and no yeah from Bradley I don't I, I like the product but they they use these little wood wood chip or like sawdust discs yeah it's yeah. a proprietary thing and so you kind of get, get pigeonholed into having to buy those discs you can't just kind of pick up a bag of wood chips okay know. okay Hey, 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 Dan, are you running a marathon right now? <laughs> Am I panting? Yes. It's terribly distracting. Uh, I'm sorry. This really cute girl was walking her dog in front of the house, and I just got distracted. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Jesus. Uh, yeah, uh, her name was Beth, by the way, because, you know, Beth listens to this. So that was Beth that walked <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, t- 
Well, Todd, that's awesome, man. That's, I mean, I, I want to come down there, and uh, I wish I had a, a, a week or two to come down there and learn from you myself. Yeah, man, you're, man, you're lucky. No, I, you're a lucky I, I man. Love, I love this stuff, and it's uh, you know, it's it's pretty, you know, it's easy stuff. And you know what? It's 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 life skills that everybody should have. I mean, you should know how to preserve some basic foods for your own, you know, well being. You never know what's going to happen out there. You guys know that better than anyone. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, even even for the person that's not into the survival stuff, uh, Todd, wouldn't you agree that the the quality of the food you're going to eat when you're eating things that you cured yourself is probably going to be way superior to anything you're going to get at your grocery shelf? Absolutely, positively, no questions about it. I mean, it's that you are in control of everything from the quality of the meat you decide to to work with to the, the spices that you use and how much of them that you use. So yeah, um, this is amazing stuff. Uh, you know, we didn't even get into it today, but I mean, this is probably could be a two-part thing or a three-part thing if we wanted it to be. Uh, you know, Dan put a note on my on the notes he sent me about curing vegetables and. Oh know, yeah. Hey, I mean, I, I I go to kimchi and and fermenting and canning and drying vegetables. It's like wow, it's a whole subject unto itself uh, that people should understand. Todd also taught me how to forge for uh, apricot chanterelles, so he's got a lot of forging knowledge we can tap into. Well, well Todd, we'll have to have you on the podcast. Uh, I'd love to do I, it. I got to I got to get you on the website, man. I mean, we need to send him a cameraman, Robbie ASAP. Man, I've been trying to get him to write an article for me for about a year now. <laughs> uh, well, he's a busy man. He's a busy man. I, I, yeah, I'm sorry, man. I, look, I, I actually, um, you guys might know um, Coyote Outdoors. You know, you know uh, Casey Deming. He uh, works with uh, Marshall Hoots at Going Gear. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So Casey has a, a YouTube channel called Coyote Outdoors, and he makes like holsters and stuff like that. He's he's a great guy, but he he's good with the camera. I mean, I could always get, and he's a he's an outdoors guy. You guys would love him. So I could get him to to film me doing some stuff if we ever, ever get comes down to it. Well, just cool. FYI, I can hold a camera in one hand and a fork in the other. <laughs> I am gifted that way. And uh, we need to do a whole nother episode on the uh, the Kachina too. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, dude, I can. Yeah, the Kachina is it's an awesome piece of equipment, um, you know, and and it produces just the best whole, you know, whole roasted pig you have ever had. Yeah, Robbie, that pork that uh, you had at my house. Yep. Uh, the Moho pork. I did that on a. I have the the lesser version. I have the plywood version. And I've been, you know, I used to be a low and slow 18 to 20 hours cooking a hog. Yeah. And the, 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 uh, mine's, I think, a Lachina, but it's completely changed my perspective on cooking a hog. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to say now, North Carolina, the, we, we are the home of the vinegar-based barbecue. And, and you're uh, wrong about other things, too, but that's okay. Well, and, uh... <laughs> And yeah. a fifty-five gallon drum converted to a, a grill with a, a cooker with a couple tobacco barn gas burners in the bottom of it, having to get up at one a.m. to turn the pigs and everything. It's uh, th- there's there's a lot of history that goes into that, Dan, that affects the flavor. Well, what? That's true. That's true. I, I want to say one thing. There is not a comparison at all whatsoever between. Uh, what comes out of a La Caja China box and what comes out of a smokehouse in North Carolina. I would never try to compare the two because it's kind of like apples and oranges. Um, the Caja China, there's no smoke involved. This is a, it, they, and you're from Louisiana, Robert, you know about a Cajun microwave? 
Yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's just an aluminum box, line box, a, a galvanized steel line box, and you, you butterfly a pig, you lay him in there on his back, you put the lid on, and you, you light 20 pounds of charcoal on the lid, and you add 10 pounds an hour and uh, for about five hours, and it'll cook that bad boy tender all the way through 185 at the ham. Uh, you, you bind them between a couple racks, you flip them over, slash the skin, put the coals back up on top, and it crisps up the skin like chicharrones, like like pork rinds. Best oh. you ever had. And it's oh, it, it's roasted pork, you know? I mean, all you're tasting is the citrus and the garlic and the pork, and that's it. There's no smoke involved. So you can't my compare them. Here's my fantasy, and one of these days I'll have a party and can justify it. But I want to do a pig and maybe a couple of chickens in the kachina and then spit either a lamb or a goat and do that above the coals. <laughs> awesome. Well, guys, this has been great, but uh, we are officially out of time and going to have to wrap it up. All right. Uh, Todd, thank you very much. we got to get you on here again. Yeah, it's been my pleasure, guys. Anytime. I mean, I mean, Dan, you, you two, you might just have to carry a microphone around, Dan, and, and call Todd up on your off times and just record a cooking podcast. Yeah, just <laughs> Todd, just know from now on, anytime you speak with Dan, you are being recorded. That's right. <laughs> yes. That's right. Uh, and just remember, brought to you by Dogwood Custom Knives. Yeah. Best knife for cutting bacon is is hands down a dogwood. Well, there he goes. Well, hey guys, thanks for thanks for tuning in and listening on the uh, the extra episode here on the uh, Clifton War website. Todd, thank you again very much, and Dan, thanks for bringing Todd on. This has been an awesome show. I wish we could stay and do it for three hours, uh, but it's it's pretty cool. So, uh, Todd, if if uh, if it works, we'll get you back here real soon. Sounds good, man. Looks All right, forward to it. Well, guys, thanks again, and uh, you know where to reach us if you need us. You guys, take care. Be safe out there. Remember, if you're not always prepared, you're never prepared. Thanks. <laughs>